<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. I think that what we're in all probability seeing the beginning of between the Texas abortion law and the Texas voting restrictions, voter suppression law signed by Governor Abbott and a few others. I mean, you know, this is, this is just kind of the beginning, I suppose. But between these two very, very large things, we're going to see states in the United States where the rights of women are diminished, the rights of, uh, you know, and right now it's around abortion. Pretty soon they're going to start going after birth control again. It wouldn't surprise me if they try to take us back to where we were in 1972 when uh, it was first, you know, when the law was changed so that a wife could get a credit card without her husband's signature. We may even go back, you know, back to that, number one. Uh, number two, you're going to have uh, some states that where women still have rights and where people still have a right to vote, you know, the Californias of the country the organs of the country, but then you're going to have states that where people, where it's very hard to vote and women have very few rights. And, you know, and those things will get ex extended. And, and, and it's the ongoing splitting up of America, essentially. And I think this is, and then, you know, on top of that, you get like this rhetoric from, from Madison Cawthorn, the guy who uh, got paralyzed when his, the Beamer that he was in, uh, got in a car accident, um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, Lauren Boebert, whose husband apparently went to jail for exposing himself to a to a teenage girl in a bowling alley. I, it's, it's just it's some of these folks are just so strange. But but you know their rhetoric, where they're talking about guns and violence and blood and and you know associated with things like voting. And the states that have expanded Medicaid and the states that haven't and all these kinds of things is basically, you know, we're turning into two Americas, into two countries. And this trend has, you know, we've, we've been going back and forth on this really since the founding of the Republic. It reached a real crisis point in the 1860s. I think it's an, another crisis point was around the 1950s uh, as a consequence of Brown v. Board. And we are at another crisis now. And the question, you know, how is this going to play out? Um, I, I, I just, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna see. But the one thing that that gives me a certain amount of hope in this is that conservatives are overplaying their hand. The people who are going to be hurt the worst by this anti-abortion law in Texas are women who don't have access to a lot of cash, basically. I mean, I was, when I was a teenager, 
you know, in high school, in college, and, you know, whatever. When I was a teenager, abortion was illegal in the United States. Uh, that was pre-73. You know, in 73, when Roe v. Wade happened, I was, I was uh, what, 20, 22 years old. And so when I was a teenager, abortion was illegal, and yet I knew several girls in my high school who had abortions. One illegal, and she died from it. Um, one, actually two that I can think of, that uh, people that I knew that were legal, and the, but they had them in a hospital and they didn't call them abortions, they called them DNCs. You know, I'm having a tough period, okay, we'll open it up and scrape it out. Um, and, but they were, they were, the, the, this was the upper middle class white people, basically. It's not going to be the wink and nod thing in Texas with this vigilante thing unleashed. It's not going to be like it was in Michigan in 1967. It's not going to be like that. It's, this is going to be very restrictive. And so... And, and, and even if a woman has the means to fly to California to get an abortion, because abortion rights are actually protected by California law right now, if she tells anybody or anybody helps her buy the airplane ticket, those people who live in Texas who help her get out of the state may be subject to lawsuits. Whether this, these lawsuits can extend outside the state, I, I frankly don't know. I don't believe so, but who knows? But this, this is, but in all probability, I'm guessing that wealthy women, and which of course is largely wealthy white women, are still going to be able to get abortions. They'll just have to leave Texas to do it. Which means that lower income women who are facing high risk pregnancies, lower income women who simply, you know, having a baby will ruin their lives economically. Uh, it's not the right time. They'll have to drop out of school or, you know, I mean, there's all these reasons why women have abortions. They will simply not be able to get an abortion and you're going to see more unwed mothers. You're going to see more and deeper poverty. It's going to become more, more ingrained and more systemic. It's going to be a crisis. And the question in my mind is, will this be enough Will this be sufficiently shocking to most of America that when or if the Biden commission, which sadly has a couple of members of the Federalist Society on it, which is who's packed the courts, the right wing group, but Biden put together this commission to examine the Supreme Court, and the federal courts. Should we expand the number of people on the Supreme Court, for example? Should we put term limits on it? Should we put cameras in the courts? What should we do to try and clean up the court? Should we subject them to the federal code of judicial conduct, which they've exempted themselves from? How can we regulate the court using Article 3, Section 2? What exemptions can we, exceptions can we provide to what the court may rule on? My hope is that when these things come back, there's some strong recommendations and there will be a strong consensus across the country that because the court failed to protect the rights of women in the case of Texas, and because the court failed to protect the rights of minorities to vote when John Roberts and friends gutted the Voting Rights Act, and because the court has refused to protect people's rights to unionize, and the court has refused to protect rights to free speech. Uh, I mean, it's just, this is a whole, I, I wrote an entire book about this, the hidden history of the Supreme Court and the betrayal of America. All the ways that the Supreme Court, right-wingers on the Supreme Court have betrayed this country. That hopefully that will be the thing that pushes us over the top. And hopefully that, and, and, and that now that Republicans are getting their way, the women of Texas are going to go, what? See, up until now, you had these, you know, anti-abortion folks who were just kind of viewed as wackadoodles. Oh, yeah, there goes, you know, he's standing, he's out in front of the abortion clinic again with his bullhorn. That's, that's just, you know, Ralph, you know, it's just, he's just a weird guy. And yeah, we've got, you know, a bunch of state senators who keep passing laws saying that if, you know, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you had Mike Pence trying to do it in Indiana, right, with his, with his law that uh, if a woman has a miscarriage, 
which is like one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. If a woman, a, a normal miscarriage. If a woman has a miscarriage, she has to report it to the police so that they can determine whether it was caused intentionally. In other words, was this an abortion, an illegal abortion? And she has to have a funeral for whatever came out when she was sitting on the toilet and had her miscarriage or whatever, wherever, however. And you had this, uh, if you're old enough to remember, I mean, this was, this was 10, 15 years ago, um, but it was a while ago. You had periods for Pence. Remember periods for Pence? Women all over Indiana were texting and tweeting and phoning the governor's office. Mike Pence was the governor of Indiana at the time, saying, hey, my period just started back up again. I'm good for the next 30 days. And there was this whole network of women who were notifying Mike Pence when their periods came. So, hey, I'm, I'm not pregnant. So will there be that kind of backlash? I'm thinking that there probably will be. Because all of a sudden, I think that, I mean, in the, in the case in Indiana, it was so obvious that that law was unenforceable that it became a joke. This law is not a joke. And I'm guessing that the women of Texas are going to say, uh-huh. And this could be the beginning of the end of the, of the power of the Republican Party in that state. Or maybe I'm just dreaming. Maybe the women of Texas are going to go, hey, cool, we like this. I don't think any of us, of us really know because, you know, the last time there were serious restrictions like this on abortion was 1972. That was a long time ago. There's a whole lot of people of childbearing age right now who weren't even alive then. So to what extent is this going to wake up the women of Texas and the women of America? How is this thing going to play out? Watch this space, right? We will continue reporting on it and talking about it and keeping you up to date on what's going on. But this is, a, this is a really slick trick that they pulled in Texas. Just saying, hey, we're not going to bother with criminal law anymore. We're just going to let vigilantes go. We're going to let these crazed incels of the world start st stalking women. That's essentially what the Texas legislature said. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And what their governor, Greg Abbott, and their lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, himself being investigated by the FBI for corruption, what they are just crowing about. Brian in Squim, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching us on Free Speech. Hi. Hi, Tom. In light of the pushback, the recent pushback against um, both investigation and prosecution, of the insurrectionists, do you feel that enough is being done to deter uh, any future misbehavior? No, <laughs> no. And in fact, you know, I mean, the fact that they're they're talking. Madison Cawthorn was talking about, you know, we're going to get together again in Washington D.C. We're going to try this again, or words to that effect. Not only do I believe that these people don't have the fear of God in them, as it were, I think if anything, many of them are feeling newly empowered because they've got members of Congress like, you know, Biggs and Gosar and Brooks and uh, Taylor Green and Boebert and Jordan and Gates who are openly supportive of them, who are calling the people who are in jail right now political prisoners and stuff, and stuff like this. So, uh, no, I, 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 I uh, again, I think that this is a situation that's going to get worse before it gets better. Sadly, I mean, I wish I wish I didn't believe that. I wish it, that was not the case, but I think that's going to how it's going to play out, Brian. Brian, thank you for the call. It's a good question, Jack in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Jack, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. There's something I have not heard anyone discussing, and it's about unvaccinated people. I'm trying to get to Germany and then to Italy to give a very important paper. This is how I earn a living. I am an international culture worker. And I can't go to Germany now because the United States is considered one region because of those unvaccinated people in the south, southeast, et cetera. 
And I would like to know if we can possibly, you know, do class action suits against these people or if people can talk about this issue. I can't be the only person who's being affected by this. It's not possible. And I also wanted to say one thing. I love Greg Palace. Thank you for having him on. I was a Katrina person, and he was down there talking about Blackwater being there. We must always listen to him, and he's right about energy. Okay, yeah. you can talk now. Sorry. Yeah, okay. No, Jack, I, I you know, uh, uh, excellent points all. And and the problem of America being a pariah nation is getting nowhere near the kind of press it should get. I mean, uh, just this morning, I, I believe it was Nate uh, here in the studio was pulling up a, a map of COVID around the world. And, you know, with these colored balls that would, uh, or circles that would indicate the severity of the infection on a, you know, infections per 100,000 people basis. And, you know, the, the United States has got like one of the very biggest circles. And it's not because we've got the largest population. It's because we've got the, large, the, the largest percentage of infected people. And like you said, it's because of these yahoos, you know, uh, at least in the developed world, because of these yahoos down south who are, who are saying, no, I'm, I did my own research on the Internet. And I decided, you know, it's just it's, it's crazy. And uh, I don't have an easy answer for it, Jack, other than, you know, pointing out you're absolutely right. Yeah, this is a problem. It's a crisis. And, and uh, you know, what, what we can do, well, I think, you know, vaccine passports, I think it's, I think as business starts requiring this more and more, that you're going to see more and more compliance. But sadly, it's going to take some time. Jack, thank you for the call. Excellent, excellent call. We'll be right back. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. Our regular meeting with Congressman Pocan. He represents the 2nd District of uh, Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, formerly a member of the leadership of that caucus. He uh, serves on numerous committees in Congress. In fact, I think I have a list. Appropriations, Education, and Labor. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, R-E-P-M-A-R-K-P-O-C-A-N, and his website is pocan.house.gov. Congressman Pocan, welcome back. I'm wondering what's on your mind this morning. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here with everyone. Lots of things, but, you know, I think the one I just mentioned, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, what didn't get coverage is it's not, Ron is not the first major Republican in Wisconsin to have said what he said. The Republican speaker, Robin Voss, who just got a lot of national news because he met with Donald Trump and the legislature is going to expand what they're doing looking at elections here. But, you know, the Republican convention in Wisconsin was a couple months ago. And in an interview on TV, the Republican speaker said that he was asked if they thought it was election fraud that caused why Trump lost. He said, well, we don't know, but we do know that 50,000 people voted for a Republican for Congress and didn't vote for Donald Trump. And our difference, you know, Donald Trump only won by or lost by 20,000 votes. So, you know, it's kind of like the, the worst secret in the world because it's been on interviews. Uh, it's out there. And, and those are the facts. The numbers show that in places like Wisconsin, a swing state, uh, Donald Trump just didn't connect with enough Republicans to allow him to be able to win. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's right to put that out there. And Ron Johnson, while he may have got hoodwinked on who he was talking to, uh, he said the truth as well. That's the reality in a place like Wisconsin and I think a lot of other places in the country. People were just, even Republicans, had had it with Donald Trump. Yeah, and... and you know, this is the second big scam or con job that the Republicans have run on us. Back in the 50s and 60s, it was, you've got to make your mark against communism. You've got to take the oath. And really what they were pushing, you know, Fred Koch and the John Birch Society and all these other guys, what they were really pushing was keep taxes low on the very, very rich and none of those communist regulations. And now they're saying, oh my God, oh my God, voter fraud and election integrity. And really what they're pushing is a rationale to prevent what they call undesirable people, what you and I call Democrats, from voting. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we've seen, as of a couple months ago even, there were over 200 laws introduced across the country and state legislatures to try to make it harder for people to vote. And I'm sure that number's gone up since I last looked. And, you know, this is part of why we passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, why we passed H.R. 1. We need to have some kind of a national 
standards so that you can't allow states to do this. You can't play whack-a-mole, you know, trying to go after each state what they're doing uh, to make it harder. And, you know, most recently Texas falls in that category. You know, um, we, unfortunately, as you and I know, we've had this conversation, I believe, in the past. You know, I've introduced a bill, a constitutional amendment in the past to uh, guarantee a right to vote because there's not an explicit right to vote in the Constitution, certainly implied. We talk about discrimination in voting, but we do have to have a better standard so that uh, we can protect people's ability to vote in these states that really want to pick their voters rather than letting voters pick their, their, their elected officials. Yeah. Amen. All righty. Well, let's pick up some phone calls, huh? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Mick in Vashon Island, Washington, you are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call, Tom. Um, I have my question to the congressman is this. Actions speak louder than words, as you know, and we want to always do the golden rules. So let's send the cargo, cargo containers that are sitting on the docks empty and send them on a cargo ship over to Haiti, airlift them onto the island, and have shelter for those people. The Democrats need to thump their chests themselves, as well as the Republicans. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Mick. Yeah, Mick, I, I hear you. I mean, you know, we need to be doing uh, as much as we can to help around the world in that sort of diplomatic way, rather than what we just saw us getting out of in Afghanistan after 20 years and watching everything fall apart so quickly because we were trying to do nation building in a place that uh, it was never going to work in the way Dick Cheney and George Bush had uh, envisioned. Um, so you're right. We need to do more things like that. We need to do more things like getting vaccines around the world. Not only will that help build goodwill, because China is doing that right now, but it also protects us. Uh, because the more we can guarantee we don't have variants, the more likely we are to be able to get back to normal sooner here in the United States. So uh, I'm with you. Whatever we can do around the world to improve our diplomatic uh, place, we certainly can as, as the country with all the, the resources that we have. Lou in Pueblo, Colorado, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, good morning. Hey, Mark, I've got a, a question on uh, everything progressives want to do actually reduces tax money. It saves us money. Is there anything being done to improve the messaging so everybody, including Democrats and progressives, are not saying we're going to increase your taxes? The message needs to say we're going to save you money. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's a great point, Lou, because uh, we sat down with some folks from the White House, and that's exactly how they're presenting the Build Back Better plan, uh, the, the large bill that we're going to be passing hopefully by the end of September in Congress, because it saves American families money, whether it be the expansion of benefits through Medicare, uh, whether it be the additional assistance for child care, whether it be the child tax credit extension that lifts half the children in this country out of poverty. It's going to save families money. There's a number of other measures that are there. And the way it's paid for is by, uh, again, tax fairness. Corporations that aren't paying a dime uh, hide their money overseas, and, and the wealthiest individuals that got tax cuts are, are going to pay a little more for it. But the average person making less than 400000 won't be paying anything. And we need to get that message out. I did a local radio program, and they didn't understand that. They thought this was all going on to debt. Republicans put their big tax cut for the wealthy uh, as debt. Uh, we're actually paying for it, and we're paying for it not by the average person, um, by the, but by the wealthiest and corporations that need to pay their fair share, and we are cutting costs for the average American family. So that will be a real savings. I hope we get that messaging out when we pass the bill, but you're exactly right, Lou. That is part of the points that we have to make. Robert in Fairfield, Pennsylvania, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Yes, hello. Hey. What's, hey, what's your question? Uh, oh, I'm wanted to been trying to call in, get in with you guys with the lobbyist reform. I mean, we need some lobbyist reform. I know it's gone against your, uh, you know, the piggy bank and with all you guys, but can't you like do something about lobbyist reform? Yeah, Robert. Some of that is in HR one, um, which is not going to make it through the Senate unless we adjust the filibuster rules, the, the arcane filibuster rules that exist. But you're exactly right. There's over 15,000 lobbyists in Washington. Um, there's 1,500 alone for Big Pharma. I think it may, actually it might be over 14,000 lobbyists overall, but 1,500 for Big Pharma. That's three for every member of the House and Senate. 
Think about that. I don't know who my three are, but that's a pretty screwed up ratio. And there's a reason why we pay more for drugs. And you're exactly right. We need to have some of that reform. And that's in H.R. 1. Congressman Pocan represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House. He's a member of the Progressive Caucus. You can reach him. Uh, you can find his website at, at Pocan, P-O-C-A-N dot house dot gov. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Buckley, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. First, I want to say that I really appreciate Mark Pocan coming on your show. Me too. And giving the latest update in Washington. I'm calling because I'm concerned about how do we get rid of Louis DeJoy. What's the latest that's going on? Yeah. Um... So I, I recently heard an interview, Linda, the, thank you for your comment and uh, thank you for the question, uh, with uh, someone who is a Democratic appointment to the Board of Governors. And I have to admit, I was very frustrated listening to that appointment. Um, that person should have been stronger on realizing what's happening to the Postal Service and what their role is uh, and their excuse, because they're the ones who have to do it. We can't. It has to come from the Board of Governors. Uh, was that they were new and they're still kind of learning the system. And uh, that's unacceptable. I mean, what he is implementing and what's happening uh, is having a detrimental effect on the Postal Service. And I I talked to a company in my district that used to send out nationwide uh, goods via the Postal Service, and now they do it via a private company, UPS, uh, because of the the delays and the the poor service that's coming because of delays, or DeJoy's, I'm sorry. So um, I'm with you. I, I, I think we need to get maybe the president uh, getting a little more active in reaching out to that Board of Governors, his selections, because uh, it is not acceptable to say, I'm still new, I'm kind of learning the job. Uh, no, uh, you can get the numbers, there's some serious problems, um, and we have to have it addressed. So I, I'm with you, I share concern, and that interview only made me have even more concern. Robin in Seal Beach, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, hi. Good morning, uh, gentlemen. I'd like to ask uh, uh, Congressman Pocan about uh, what we can do as consumers out here to put pressure on these, uh, uh, I guess, the Senate to pass this H.R. 1. I mean, if we don't get this uh, voting uh, rights straightened out, we're we're not going to, you know, they're going to continue to uh, screw up our uh, uh, ability to vote. So, 
the whole system is going to be in a, a big debacle. What what can we do? Who should we be calling and, and texting and um, emailing? Yeah, Robin, uh, everyone uh, who's listening should put a call into their U.S. senators today. Um, you know, they should always be reaching out on any issue, but uh, we need the Senate to feel the pressure, especially. Uh, I think some of our Democratic senators from certain states who seem adverse to filibuster reform, um, you know, Republicans uh, are, are not cooperating, not trying to work with us to get anything done. They've already said it's about the 2022 election. They want to take back the majority. We have to get something done for the American people. It shouldn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. And uh, whether it be H.R. 1 or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we need to uh, advance those measures. And uh, the filibuster right now is an arcane uh, rule that's holding those things up. And we need to have accountability and ask your U.S. Senator if they will support uh, filibuster uh, reform or eliminating the filibuster reform to get those those things done, and if not, how they plan on getting it done, and, and put the pressure and get an answer from those senators. And that number for the congressional switchboard is 202-224-3121. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Paul, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. What are congressional Democrats prepared to do if they're even aware of this loophole in the 14th Amendment, which is what's allowing this Texas law? And that is that the 14th Amendment has been determined in a landmark case in the 1870s only applies to the states, the state legislatures, so that uh, your, your rights under the 14th Amendment, your constitutional rights are protected from violation by the state legislatures, but not by individuals in the state. So this is what's happening in Texas. In fact, Texas is encouraging people to violate your your uh, constitutional rights to privacy. And what I think is going to happen next is that in these red states uh, during the elections, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers will be sent out as kind of uh, private militias to uh, obstruct and harass and possibly attack voters in uh heavily democratic areas and this will not be a violation of the 14th amendment and even the for the people act won't protect them because again this is all would be protected by the 14th amendment and the loophole is that it only applies to the states it doesn't apply to individuals in the states it's up to states to prosecute those people and of course these kinds of states are going to turn their head and look away and of course the state of texas is encouraging people to violate other people's constitutional rights. What is going to happen there? Yeah, Paul, I, I share the strong concerns that you have. I, I had hoped the Supreme Court would have done the right thing. They didn't, uh, de facto, allowing um, you know Texas to have an abortion ban uh, against uh, what I think is, is, is Roe versus Wade in this country. And, and you know, to further to your point, uh, many of these uh, protests we've seen at school board meetings have been organized by groups like the Proud Boys and others. And, you know, th there's some real concern I think we have out there, whether it be specifically to your concerns around the 14th Amendment or in general, you know, Madison Cawthorn, um, who I like to call, uh, you know, baby Q, uh, maybe is, is his term, uh, since I have uh, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene is, is Q1 and uh, Ms. Boebert is Q2. Uh, but, you know, his comments this week about saying that, uh, you know, we're going to have bloodshed uh, over elections. I mean, this is some real extreme language that Donald Trump has opened up. And you, unfortunately, have people like Kevin McCarthy who are way too weak as leaders to actually stand up to their members and make them, you know, have a, a, a responsible attitude towards their job. So uh, we've got to do everything we can to make sure that uh, we don't have this happen. Uh, if there are things we can do through Congress, we absolutely will. Uh, however, I think ultimately this comes down to how important those 2022 elections are. Uh, people have to get out and be heard, and we're going to have new districts uh, in our state legislative bodies and in Congress, and it's going to be a real important election cycle. Um, there, there's a lot of people spitting that they're going to flip the House. Kevin McCarthy just in threatening a telecommunication company said, if we you know, get back in the majority, you're going to be in trouble if you comply uh, with giving up phone records. Uh, this is their attitude. It's thuggish. It, it's, it's Trumpish. And now they're all trying to out-Trump each other. Uh, we've got some real issues to deal with. 
Bob in Raleigh, North Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, good morning. Thanks a lot for taking my call. Um, Congressman, my question has to do with H.R. 1667, the Dr. Lorna Breen Health Care Provider Protection Act. Um, my understanding that there's a companion bill, 610, that has already passed the Senate, um, but I don't see any movement uh, of the, uh, com- of the uh, 1667 in the House, and it's really critical. This is to help our ICU uh, nurses uh, in particular because they're treating people that don't believe in COVID, have not uh, taken the vaccine, and really don't appreciate the health care providers that are trying to save their life. So um, that, that's my question, is the status of HR 1667. Thank you. Yeah, Bob, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't serve on the Committee of Jurisdiction this would come before. Um, so I, I really can't give you a, a good answer other than we can look into it and try to mention it next week. Um, but uh, there's, you know, five, 6,000 bills, I believe, right now introduced. I just don't know the status of most unless they come through your Committees of Jurisdiction. So um, I will look into it and get back to you. Are you seeing any action with regard to COVID more generally in Congress, or is that something that's really just with the administration? What in regards to action? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, like doing something. I guess we're doing we're doing whatever we can. This was a bill to you know to protect healthcare providers who are being assaulted by crazies, for example. Yeah, I mean, much of the stuff was done in the rescue plan, and now in these next bills, there's some there's some additional parts, but yeah. uh, I. I couldn't answer to sometimes we do take bills like this and put it into bigger bills and i don't know if it's part of what we're going to be seeing program hi it's the tom hartman book club with the tom hartman university and today we're reading from threshold the progressive plan to pull america back from the brink i'm reading from the preface this is page xiii The world right now is tottering atop three major thresholds, an environment that is so afire that it may soon no longer be able to support human life, an economic free market system that is almost entirely owned, run, and milked by a tiny fraction of 1% of us and has crashed and in many ways is burning around us, and an explosion of human flesh on the planet that has turned our species into a global petri dish just waiting for an effective agent to run amok. Four mistakes have brought us to this point, and the failure to recognize them at their deepest level will only push us faster toward total tipping points where we are thrown over the three thresholds and into disaster. All four of these mistakes are grounded in our culture, our way of thinking, our way of seeing the world, the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and why we're here. The first mistake is a belief that we're separate from nature. Our religions tell us that we were created by a supernatural being who is not part of this earth and not from this planet. He set us apart from all other life and many among us, perhaps even the majority of the six billion of us, roughly seven billion now, don't even believe that we are animals, but instead think we're a totally unique life form. The second mistake is a belief that an abstraction, an economic system, is divine and separate from us. This mythical so-called free market, so we believe, operates under its own divine rules and is entirely and eternally self-regulating. It is always right. The fact that worldwide it's more than 95% owned and run by fewer than 0.000001% of us, it's just the way things are, always were, and always will be. We are here to serve the economy, this belief goes. It's not here to serve us. The third mistake is a belief that men should run the world and that women are their property. While it may seem that women's rights are well advanced and society is nearly egalitarian in the developed world, the United States, Western Europe, and Australia combined are only about a quarter of the population of the world. In India, it's still a common rural practice for men to burn their wives to death simply because it's more convenient than divorce. In many Arab countries and across much of Africa and South America, it's not uncommon for women to be murdered by their families if they dishonor the family by not going along with an arranged marriage or not being a virgin at time of marriage. Even in the first world, women are routinely excluded from positions of power in the world's largest institutions, such as the Catholic Church. This is one of our biggest mistakes, not just because it's morally deficient or because it can be biologically challenged, but because its primary result is an explosion in population. The fourth mistake is a belief that the best way to influence people is through fear rather than through the power of love, compassion, or support. 
We stand baffled when Palestinians in Gaza vote for a political party that has a long history of terrorist activity, somehow completely overlooking the fact that that same group has been feeding people, building schools and hospitals, and providing old age and widow pensions to people in need. We think we can threaten and bomb people into liking us and behaving in ways consistent with our best interests while ignoring their own best interests. We have come to believe that we are not our brother's keeper, that we are separate from all other humanity on the planet, and in all that, we are mistaken. Civilizations have come and gone, and those long gone vanished mostly because they despoiled their commons, allowed small elites to control their economies and governments, and lived in ways that were unsustainable. Those who survive for centuries or millennia are the ones that learned how to protect their commons, engage in non-toxic commerce and governance, and organize their cultures and lifestyles in ways that could continue in the same place and the same way down through the ages. If we don't learn the lessons of the latter, we shall face the fate of the former. The book is Threshold, the progressive plan to pull America back from the brink. Hey, welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour in our National Progressive Town Hall meeting with Congressman Pocan. And uh, Tim in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, sir. I need to find out uh, what happened to Mary Garland. Uh, nobody seems to have heard of him in the last, I don't know, three weeks or better. And also the uh, warrants and subpoenas that they were supposed to. It's like they're trying to sweep it under the rug. Uh, I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. If I can real quickly first provide an answer to that person on who asked about 1667, I just got information on it because um, I am a co-sponsor of the bill in the mm -hmm. House. But the Senate, we're waiting for them to send the bill over to the House. So they have voted on the Senate, but they haven't sent it to the House yet. Uh, we expect that'll happen uh, when we get back in the September break. So I just wanted to let uh, that information be out there. So it's not that there's not action happening in the House. We're just waiting for the Senate to send it over. Okay. And, uh, uh, hopefully that means uh, we'll be taking up after that. Um, to the caller's question, uh, to Tim's question, I, I, I'm not sure what he meant by the subpoenas being swept under the rugs. I, I, I know that we are planning uh, through the, the January 6th commission on uh, doing everything we can to get the information, hence the controversy right now on uh, reaching out to telecommunication companies to get some people's records. It seems like every day we find out another Republican said, oh yeah, I didn't talk to the president just once on January 6th. It was several times. Well, let's find out, uh, because I remember those videos of a lot of panicked Republicans telling the president to stand down, uh, and now they all seem to forget that that video uh, still exists in the universe. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure what his concerns exactly were on that, because he said it kind of generically, but I, I can assure you that uh, that commission is going to do everything they can to get the information, including putting out subpoenas, and then at that point, it'll be up to if someone refuses a subpoena uh, for the attorney general to act. Well, let's try Ken in Lafayette, Colorado. Hey, Ken, what's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. Mr. Paul Ken, my question is about what the gentleman who just called in regards to where did Merrick Garland go, and you briefly answered it, but one big problem we're having right now with the likes of Kevin McCarthy threatening these telecommunication companies and the likes of Hawthorne with his just outrageously ranting and threatened when are we going to see some serious prosecutions? Because this is why the likes of Hawthorne, Boebert continue carrying on because no one has been held accountable. Can we expect that to happen sooner rather than later, please? Or at the very yeah, least, an ethics investigation. Yeah, I hear your concerns, Ken. So, um, you know, I think Mass and Cawthorn, you're watching right now uh, leadership putting out a lot of messaging on this because it should be of everyone's concern. You know, you can't just try to get attention by saying something that outrageous when you're a member of Congress. You know, we do have a higher expectation for what we're saying. Uh, you should be a little more responsible. And to say that you're going to have bloodshed uh, over elections uh, is, is highly irresponsible. And not only should uh, the Ethics Committee, Tom, take a look at that, but I think even Congress as a whole potentially has to. I mean, Marjorie T Taylor Greene may uh, say a lot of outrageous statements, but, uh, you know, not uh, outright calling for bloodshed over an election. You know, we need to deal with this. But again, Merrick Garland, I, I don't know where exactly he comes into this. I know that, you know, he has not been to some people's likings as aggressive uh, in uh, 
saying things ahead of time, but you know that's not necessarily how the attorney general works. Through this uh, one six commission, if we find out that there are people that need to be prosecuted, that's when that'll happen. But I don't know how much the attorney general would necessarily do or say uh, ahead of time. So I think people just um, have to realize we've got to do some work with that commission. It took a little longer than I think uh, you know some of us would have liked to have created, but we tried to work with the Republicans. They showed us they have no intention of that. But I hope uh, as well that the attorney general is aggressive in any kind of actions we need, especially in enforcing subpoenas. I think it's vital. Barbara in Columbia, South Carolina. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Hi. Um, um, thank you for taking my call. And thank you, Tom and Mr. Pocan. I'm oh, going with the caller that previously called. That's my opinion, too. I'm, I'm thinking that even with the January 6th commission, I don't think anyone's going to be held accountable. These people are not being held accountable. I don't know why Joe Biden picked such a weak attorney general, but I think he's just too weak. Anyway, um, another thing, I want to know why he's not handling the voters' right threats. These, you know... Why the attorney general is not handling that, and also I would I, I think that the attorney general, why no one else is marching but black people? I don't understand this. If this, if these people putting on the books that they can overturn the elections that we're voting in, why this is not everybody's issue? Everybody should be in an uproar over it. Thank you, Barbara. Yeah, Barbara, so I mean, I can tell you, at least congressionally, it is everyone's concern on the Democratic side. I mean, I can't say everyone, but the, the 90, 95% plus majority, I mean, this is a, a core issue uh, for Democrats, and we have been outspoken, and we uh, we took a vote just last week uh, on the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and the first bill we put in Congress was H.R. 1. So there's concern from uh, a wide variety uh, of people within the Democratic Party. Perhaps you're seeing some local footage, and, and maybe that's uh, showing you something different, but there is real concern. We understand this is something that if we don't take care of uh, between that and redistricting, uh, that could be a, a, an awful mix, right, in these some of these Republican states where they can gerrymander uh, and then you take away uh, people's ability to vote, you can have a, a terrible impact for the next decade. So it is absolutely uh, high on the list of every Democrat I know, including our Democratic leadership. Um, but uh, we need to get the Senate to figure out how to get around that filibuster rule, because if they're going to allow that to stop action, uh, I think that would truly be an act of malpractice by the Senate Democrats. And we need to have those Senate Democrats who aren't willing to work with us uh, be held accountable. Emily in Clinton, Iowa, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. My question is just what is happening on the federal level that is being done due to the mask mandate that my it's not required in schools? Yeah, so this is something that is up to the states, and that's why we're watching what's been happening uh, right now. Uh, a lot of fights over this around the country. Uh, fortunately, in some states like Florida, where DeSantis went too far, he lost in court, and uh, it is going to be up to local communities uh, and states to make these decisions. But, you know, we ourselves in Congress are practicing uh, with mass. Um, we certainly are trying to send that message, uh, but it really is something that just by the the, the system is allowed uh, up to local and state governments. I strongly encourage people to follow this, especially in the near term. You know, we recently had asked a question of Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who I have a lot of respect for when it comes to COVID. And, you know, there is a strong feeling that this could be the last of the major variants. The way we ensure that is people get vaccinated and people wear masks, especially in areas that are uh, impacted right now, in order to make sure we don't have continuation of it going. And unfortunately, you look at that national map and it makes me very sad to see the South as dark a color as it is right now in, in having COVID because of a lot of these progressive laws that we're seeing by local governors and localities. It really is a tragedy. I mean, it's just it's just so sad. Mark Pocant. We'll be right back. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. 
With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back. Jim in Long Beach, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Can a modified FDR Green New Deal be passed with a modest universal green income, not basic income, green income for folks who want to have home and land of an American Jim, is there a question in there? As in, yes. What's and the make question? It a green plan that can be for folks who want to have land and build solar homes, grow organic food, generate no waste, cut down on pesticides, GMOs, plastics. Okay, okay I got it. Let's, make let's, it let's, part let's, of let's let Congressman Pocan respond. Congressman? Yeah, um, Jim, I, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. I think, you know, one of the things that we are fortunate to have is a lot of states that don't have some of these really red state legislatures or governors do have a lot of incentives to help around things like solar and uh, wind, biomass, et cetera. And uh, you're, you're right. I mean, we should some, find ways to incentivize people who want to do the right thing. And I think many states do. I know we have uh, eight and a half kilowatts uh, of solar on our roof. And, uh, you know, we did get help from the state and the federal government when we did that. And uh, I think that was the right thing to incentivize. So um, in that sense, uh, I, I think that's important. As far as a green income, universal income, I'd have to think about that a little bit. I'm not quite sure how that would be implemented, but uh, incentivizing good behavior like that, absolutely. Juan in Linwood, Washington. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking my question. Congressman Pocan, why do we not have federal laws against domestic terrorist organizations since they attempted a coup d'etat on January 6th? And the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, issued an alert bulletin that is even a higher threat now given the anniversary of 9-11 and holidays that are coming up. We have the laws against al-Qaeda and ISIS, but nothing against internal terrorist groups that have committed 73% of terrorist acts and mass killings in this country over the last 25 years, starting with Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, so Juan, we do have laws that uh, can enforce that. I think the problem on January 6th is we don't have a group to point to that organized it right now, right? I, I understand that there are groups that were had people attending it, um, Proud Boys, uh, to go down the list of, of groups like that, but we don't have the information yet to say if there was a group that put it together. So I think you know that's probably the difficulty in trying to accomplish um, what I think you know you're getting at. But uh, absolutely, I, I think you know the fact that the federal government now is putting a higher priority on looking at domestic terrorism is the right thing to do. And uh, you put out a couple uh, great examples, and uh, we, we need to do that as a government. Aren't, isn't the federal government somewhat limited in domestic terrorism investigations by the fact that they're U.S. citizens and therefore they have certain privacy rights that foreign f folks don't have? We put some extra things in place with FISA and other stuff for, for uh, foreigners, yes. Um, but at the same time, we do have laws in place that allow us to go after domestic terrorists. Uh, we made us not have some of the same latitude that we have with our international laws. Yeah, I get it. Thank you. Stick around. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. Let me grab my mouse here. There we go. Kathy in Madison, Wisconsin. You're on the air with uh, probably your congressperson, right? Yes, she is. And I'm very thankful for that. Hello, Mark. 
I'm wondering if there are any plans to do something, whatever, about the flood of misinformation that's uh, plaguing everything nowadays, uh, but especially social media like Facebook. I happen to run a little Facebook page, and I see this stuff all the time, particularly horrible on COVID, and that stuff is absolutely killing people, but also about every political issue you could possibly imagine. So i just wondering, you know, if there's any plans to try to investigate and expose at least the sources of those, that kind of misinformation. Yeah, Kathy, thank you for your question, and thanks for uh, being a listener uh, from my district. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, that is one of the things that um, you've seen in a number of committees in the Senate and the House, especially around antitrust, talk about when it comes to these big social media companies, uh, the fact that that's where a lot of this misinformation is getting around. In fact, I would argue part of the problem is the fact that people get their news feeds from there, and it only shows you what you want to see, and you can really get some skewed uh, news uh, out of that. All the more reason people have to look at where the original source of something is coming from, because I think often uh, just looking at a headline can be very misleading. I had a, a local radio person this morning, I did a show, and they read one of these off uh, headlines that's not very real and uh, is able to address it pretty quickly. But if people only get that kind of news, uh, they're certainly going to believe that. It's the only thing they're seeing. And uh, part of the reason why when you have very real video footage from January 6th, you have people, uh, including members of Congress, saying, no, it was just like a you know tourist. And there's people who actually believe that information uh, as as much as their eyes will tell them something else because they're only seeing certain bits of information. Uh, that's also true of COVID. So, uh, yes, Kathy, uh, around antitrust, there was a bill recently passed in the Judiciary Committee in the House that would try to at least get at some antitrust issues, but we need to deal with directly with these social media companies who aren't doing, I think, an adequate enough job to keep that misinformation off of their sites. Gary in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Workhorse Corporation originally had the contract to make hundreds of thousands of electric vehicles for the post office and government, but then it was taken away, given to Oshkosh, a defense contractor, who only promises 10% electric. And so since climate change is so very important, what could be done about that? Yeah, Gary, it's a little different, I think, than maybe you've got the information. So there was a contract, and the firm that uh, DeJoy decided to go with was Oshkosh, uh, and the percent that would be EV is not necessarily up to that part of it. It's up to DeJoy, which, again, goes to, I think, one of our earlier callers concerned about DeJoy. He can require a larger amount, and that's within the contract. So it's not up to the company that gets the contract. It's up to DeJoy and how he proceeds with it, all the more reason why uh, we need to be looking at having a postmaster general that's going to be uh, doing things in the best interest of the country. So um, there have been some concerns on the contract because they don't uh, do the some of the EV work themselves. They have to subcontract it. So I'm not sure if it's a final, final uh, deal, but really what will matter is what decisions DeJoy makes around that contract, what percent he decides is important to be electric vehicles, and I think that's where we need to try to impact uh, the very point you're having. But it was a contract letting. He chose Oshkosh, and uh, you know there is some question over the contract because of how much uh, production they actually do in-house. Rachel in Needham, Massachusetts, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I'm in uh, Jake Auchincloss's 4th Congressional District here in Massachusetts. And uh, my question today is, what are you doing and or what can we do to help in the midterms keep democracy from going towards the oligarchy realm? Okay. And uh, can I also say that uh, you look very well rested, so vacations do you well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, we were uh, at Yosemite. What a amazing national park! Our, our, such a treasure we have. It is. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. But um, you know, honestly, the best thing we can do is is be active in our democracies. Don't let it up to others. We have to be working with people that share our values who are running for office. We need to make sure that whether it be our local government, state government, or federal government, we're getting involved. You're watching, I, I hope, some of the footage of these school boards where it's a concerted effort by groups like the Proud Boys and others to go there and threaten school boards, school board members over mask mandates. Um, 
we just need to be active participants in democracy in every possible way, including elections, and find those folks who share your values and actively work for them. George in Garden City, Kansas. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I think we're down to about a minute here. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just curious. Is there another plan in the works uh, to maybe send out another stimulus check? Uh, and I'll take your response off the air. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think there'll be any additional stimulus at this point. If there's something warranted based on, you know, economic conditions, uh, you know, possibly. But right now, um, you know, I think as we're moving forward, we're really trying to do some investments in the economy and move with those sorts of, those sorts of measures. Didn't the, the existing $300 additional just run out like this week or last so week? Yeah, the unemployment will run out around September 6th, I believe, 6th okay, or 7th. Okay, next week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but again, uh, from where we're looking at on some of the numbers, I don't know if you're going to see yeah. uh, you know, that start up again. So in the last 20 seconds, your thoughts going on and going into the next week or two? You know, I'll tell you, September is going to be a busy month. We just got into it. But by the end of September, hopefully Congress will have passed this uh, Build Back Better, this $3.5 trillion uh, bill that's, that's crucial, as well as the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, those two things uh, on top of the American Rescue Plan are huge for the American people. And uh, we need to make sure that those two bills stick together because uh, they're twin bills. But if you ever saw the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, uh, some of us kind of look at the, the Build Back Better bill as, as the bill that has got a lot of human needs uh, are addressed in there. Let's make sure that we get both of those done. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman Pocan, for dropping by again today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Yep. Take care. Have a good one. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.